Fox News alert millions of American families. Yeah, Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBS News. I'm George Thomas. We begin with the latest. Here at St. John's Baxville, there are certainly a lot of factors here at the LAPD. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBS News. Watch on George Thomas. We begin with the latest in the coronavirus pandemic. Number of cases here in the U.S. For the first time ever, actually a little bit early. It's uh, surprising. Usually always showing up late. So I'm really excited about my guest tonight, uh, the host of the Naturalist Capitalist podcast. Hide your wives, hide your girlfriends, Reed Coverdale. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Just hanging in there, trying to get through everything that seems to be going on in the world and trying to push it out and still focus on family and friends. Yeah. Well, that's all you can do, right? Yeah, exactly. It's nuts out there. Um, so the, the reason we, uh, well, the reason I chose this date was today was the last day that CNN had their contract for, um, airport streaming. Uh, anyone who doesn't know CNN would get, uh, contracts with airports all over the United States and the world. And they would purchase the TVs, they'd pay a portion of the bills just so they could stream their channel in all the airports. So anytime you ever traveled through air, that's exactly why CNN was on every television. They were paying uh, to inflate their numbers, basically. Um, and now that's all over. So... Hmm. Score one. <clears throat> so who's replacing them? Uh, that I actually have no idea. Because um, it was left up to whatever individual airport. So ah. I, I assume it's going to be probably a mixture. Um, honestly, if I ran an airport, I probably wouldn't choose news. Especially with how divisive everything is. It just... Nah. Doesn't seem like a good idea, but yeah, just play Back to the Future or something. It'd be better. Yeah, exactly. Something people actually want to watch while they're sitting there on a layover. Kind of makes mm -hmm. sense. So I did get together this uh, little highlight reel of all the glorious things CNN have done uh, just recently. So uh, pull this up. Uh, I can't hear it, and I don't know if you can. Can't you? Nope. All right. All right. Well, we'll try that in just a minute. So one thing I want to talk about is the impact that propaganda has on people themselves, uh, society as a whole. I think we see a lot of that coming out right now uh, in between covid uh everything going on in ukraine so 
how do you personally see through all of the bullshit? Um, I mean, you kind of have to learn whom you can trust, you know, who has a good track record of being correct. So I look for that. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I think people like Ron Paul or Dennis Kucinich, uh, Rand Paul, Tulsi Gabbard, um, you know, to a lesser extent, like Matt Gates or people like that are sometimes sort of good on some of this stuff. So you, you kind of figure out <clears throat> who tends to be correct in the long run. And then those are kind of your primary sources you go to for news. And then you have to still have a little bit of a bullshit detector and just try to figure out what's true on your own. Um, I think the trap <clears throat> you could fall into is becoming a contrarian. Like if, if you just hear something and you automatically just go with the opposite, um, I think that's how you end up with Alex Jones and like the, you know, the nine 11 kook movement, stuff like that. Like th there's the truth is usually a little bit complicated and a little bit, um, you know, somewhere in the middle, I guess. So, I mean, but when, whenever they're trying to get you into a war, pretty much every time it's always been a lie, um, you know, or every time actually it's always been yeah. based on lies. So you can pretty much always guarantee they're lying when they're trying to start a war. Um, and then with other stuff like COVID, that's where the contrarianism gets really dangerous because then you have people just denying that COVID even exists or, you know, um, just kind of going nuts saying ridiculous stuff. That's just <laughs> as dumb as what the media is saying. So with that type of thing, it's kind of important to try to actually look at the facts. And I found with COVID, the government wasn't actually lying that much. It was mostly the media. Like if you went on the CDC website and you read the statistics off their page, you'd come away saying like, holy shit, I got like nothing to worry about. I mean, they would say like, you should get vaccinated. You should do this. You should do this. But if you look at the raw numbers that they were reporting through the CDC, you'd be like, what's the big fucking deal? You know, I don't really get what we're all so scared about. But the media would just tell blatant lies or at best like half truths or out of context truths. They wouldn't tell the whole truth. They just start, you know, they tell part of it to make it sound a certain way or whatever. And, um, you just have to like, you kind of have to, you know, have a little bit of common sense and just, uh, you know, learn from what's going on and look around and just, you know, know who you can trust from the past and, just try to figure it out. Like, I don't know. I don't know a hundred percent that I've been right about everything. I think I've been right about, you know, but it, it seems to be more consistent than what everybody else seems to be going with. So I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just doing my best. Just I, I think everyone's <laughs> got to try. So, yeah. So what, what was the, like the, the first like aha moment you had, like when you were first coming to realize so much of this was bullshit. Just in, in your um, life. 
Hmm. Um, probably. Well, I, I it's weird because I started um, rethinking certain ideas I had in uh, like 2014, like seven years ago. But I didn't really like have a an aha moment like, wow, they suck and they're lying about everything. I didn't have that moment probably until 2018 when Trump met with Kim Jong-un um, because uh, I'd say until that point, I was probably still what most people call blue-pilled, you know, just kind of, yeah, they're wrong about stuff and yeah, they make a lot of mistakes, but I wasn't fully on board with the, you know, they're evil and they're doing this intentionally. Um but I remember Trump was making it sound like we were headed for nuclear war with North Korea. And he was like saying, we'll rain down hell and fire upon them if they do anything out of line or whatever. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And then two weeks later, he's meeting with Kim in Korea and they're trying to establish some sort of peace deal. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is great. Like, this is exactly what we'd want to yeah. happen, right? But then the response from the media was Trump is a traitor. Trump is a dictator lover. Trump is, you know, the worst thing on planet Earth. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the this is literally the best case scenario. Like a week ago, um, you know, we were I don't know if you remember that um, that false alarm in Hawaii when they thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, missile was incoming. <laughs> like it, things were kind of <laughs> tense. So um after that, I started realizing, like, wow, okay, there's, like, intentional propaganda going on here. It's not just that they're wrong about this stuff. Like, they are intentionally selling us a false narrative. Um, and then uh, working on Tulsi Gabbard's campaign in 2020, man, like, <laughs> there was no doubt after that that there was a concerted effort to destroy people who oppose especially the foreign policy establishment. Like if you do not think Russia is the most evil dictatorship in the world or that <laughs> Assad or, um, you know, like any of these secular dictators that the United States empire doesn't like, that they're not like worse than Hitler, then you're a traitor. And <laughs> it's American. Just, yeah. Um, so it, it probably started with that. Um, I mean, because I, I I was more like a Justin Amash type libertarian before that, like very reformist and also more just like, oh, people are just misled and they don't know the right way to do this. And the people in charge just aren't very smart. But I've leaned a lot more. I, I still think that some of that's true. Like sometimes it is people yeah. just being inept and stupid. But there are a lot of people who are evil and there is a very large propaganda campaign uh, that is run to um, administer a certain narrative and destroy people who deviate from it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. My, I didn't really have a, an aha moment either. It, like it wasn't like a light switch or anything. It definitely slowly built. Um, my my first exposure though was uh, G. Edward Griffin. And him talking about the Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. and as soon as I as soon as I realized that that 
is just complete made up like monopoly money is now worth more than the US dollar the 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 fed notes which is insane to me but once i realized that that, that was all planned it it really kind of sent me down a rabbit hole of like okay well exactly how far can this go of course that can be dangerous as well and i implore anyone to uh not go too far um then you end up with like david ike or uh jack casey who thinks the earth is flat mm-hmm. so um but yeah the the structure of the fed and how everything was pretty much rigged against us was really what sent me over the edge i was just like oh okay so then no matter what like they're forcing us to pay taxes even though they can just print more so what what is this exactly and that's that's really what sent me down at least the libertarian path um i just find it interesting and nowadays personally i always just wait when something happens i always just wait and just before i even form an opinion at this point <coughs> seems like about the smartest thing to do um yeah um there's lies coming from all sides about everything. So, um, yeah, it's always smart to wait, <laughs> you know, you, you never know who's telling the truth or, I yeah. mean, you can always guess who's lying. It's hard to know who's telling the truth, you know? Well, and it's, especially right now with, uh, Ukraine and Russia, I mean, and that came on so quickly too, just like almost overnight, but, everybody's getting censored everyone's like screaming at each other uh waving the ukrainian flag i mean i've seen some pro-russia people a few because they tend to get yelled at quite a bit stuff thrown at them windows broken that sort of thing um it just kind of seems like both sides are shitty it seems like uh i mean especially with the revelation of hunter biden's laptop recently uh kind of showing that uh hunter biden and the Biden family in general had been kind of entrenched in some of the illegal activities over there with the energy companies. Um, God knows what's going on with the bio labs. Like there's just, there, there's so much. And it's it, honestly, that's kind of why I've stayed out of that. And just, I think both sides suck. Yeah. Uh, the bio labs is new, but I've known about the laptop stuff for a while just because of Ryan Dawson. Um, yeah. I mean, he did a Me whole, too. did a whole documentary on it in I think 2019 or something. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny seeing like um, everybody suddenly become aware of stuff that it's like, oh yeah, I've known that for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. But well, it was kind of funny with the laptop. Well, and there there was a video of uh, Joe Biden basically claiming or uh, uh, laughing with his, his his elitist buddies about um, the the quid pro quo that right. he had performed while he was vice president. And it was just floating around out there and just nobody touched it. It was just mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, I would definitely like to uh, point out uh, Ryan Dawson's website, ancreport.com. Make sure and go check it out. It's uh, really awesome. The documentary, Corn Pops Revenge, absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, I'll throw that down in the episode description. 
Yep. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's just crazy. Um, even Trump called Biden out during the election, and everyone, oh, anti-Trump, and I'm not pro-Trump, but it's just it's interesting things just blowing up now. Yeah. Um. I mean, I the way I look at Trump is the same way I look at January 6th. It's just like, you know, so much potential and you got nothing out of it, sort of, you know, like yeah. the the, av- the the average reaction to Trump you see is just like, oh my God, he was so terrible and he was such a, a dictator and such a, you know, a racist, homophobic, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's not my opinion. My opinion is he could have been you know, a real thorn in the side of the powers that be. And he wasn't like he, he would talk a big talk occasionally, but nine and a half times out of 10, he would just do whatever they wanted him to do. So yeah, it bugs me that I see people like wanting him to come back because he's talking big again, because he's not president. And <laughs> as soon as he becomes president, <laughs> why do you think he's going to be any different than he was before? You know, like, um, so I don't know. I mean, people, people want him back, but it's like, man, he was, he was not your friend when he was in there, you know? So. No, not, not really. And I mean, what, what really pissed me off about the, the Trump presidency was that I found myself defending him more often than not just for the sake of arguing truth. And it right. it really pissed me off because I'm like I'm not pro Trump, um, but if you're going to criticize the guy, at least be honest about it. And I I don't know, I I do enjoy the fact that the I, I would say the the enemies of uh, liberty, human prosperity definitely showed their true colors, um, maybe not their full color but uh definitely their true colors and it it definitely uh i think opens a lot of people's eyes uh i kind of just wish it wasn't all the way over to the cult of personality of trump yeah um yeah it's um i mean what you're saying about defending trump it's true like i found myself doing that too i mean the you know Claiming that he was a Russian sympathizer <laughs> when he was arming the shit out of Ukraine the whole time, and he helped bring, I, th- I think, two more countries came into NATO while he was president. He did like talk a little bit, a little bit of smack about the funding going to NATO, but that's what he does. That's Trump. Yeah. He complains about stuff and never does anything. So, um, <clears throat> the. Uh, yeah, the I, what was amazing was the amount of hatred he got for how little trouble he actually caused. You know, like, I mean, they wanted him out of there <laughs> just for, yeah. you know, occasionally saying something or maybe very, very occasionally doing something they didn't like. Like, they, they want complete submission. Um, and the unfortunate thing is so many people took away from that, that, oh, that must mean Trump is really bucking the system if these guys don't like him. And it's like, no, it's worse than that. He's actually doing almost everything they want him to do. But just because he doesn't believe in it 
and he occasionally will say something that he's not supposed to say, you know, that, that wasn't in the notes or whatever. That's why they hate him so much. And that's why they want to get rid of him. Um, and then on top of that, I felt like they needed to create, they needed to create a monster to make Biden look good. Right. Like when you have Biden and Harris, the opposition just has to look absolutely despotic. So the media did everything they could in 2020 to just make Trump sound like the worst, most careless, like, uh, you know, asshole ever. And I think it was really just to try to save Biden's image a little bit because yeah, it's hard to make him look good. Like if you can't make Biden look good, you just got to make Trump look bad. It's easier to make Trump look bad than it is to make Biden look good. <laughs> so yeah, that was I the agree. route they went. But uh, yeah, you're right. Like the, tons of the accusations made against him were ridiculous. Like, it's just like with Tulsi Gabbard, you know, like um, I've got criticisms of her, but they're completely different. They're the opposite of what the criticisms made of her by other people are, you know, yeah. like that she's, uh, you know, that she's a peacenik and is too willing to roll over for dictators or whatever. And my thing is, like, actually, I think she's, like, a little too militaristic in some ways, you know, like, so it, it's just funny how they they spin everything. And, um, yeah, it, it's almost always an inversion of the truth. Yeah, it's it's I, I don't even know what to make of it just because I see it. So it's it's hard for me to understand how people could look at certain certain reporters or certain pieces of news news and really just buy into it. Um, just that cognitive dissonance, even thinking about it just kind of uh, frustrates my brain cells a little bit and it just doesn't sit right with me. So I don't understand how somebody could honestly take those positions. Uh, my, my favorite one is always the, the person who is um, anti-cop, but also anti-gun, saying mm -hmm. cops need to come take the guns and they're, they're the only ones that need to have them. It's like, okay, you can't rectify that in your own mind. Um, I'm just talking to an irrational person at this point, and I don't think we can, we can go anywhere uh, productive anyways. Yeah, I mean... That's the problem nowadays. No one arrives anywhere rationally or cares about being consistent. So political discourse is pretty much impossible because they'll just call you a racist or a, an anti-Semite or a Russian asset or whatever and shut the conversation down and you can't reason. <laughs> so what are you supposed to do? Like, how do you, <clears throat> how do you argue with someone like that? You know, like, they, they bring you down to their level and then they beat you with experience, uh, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. So what do you think the future of the Liberty movement is considering that that's pretty much sums up the, uh, the antithetical uh, opposition to everybody in the Liberty movement? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think that exists on the right too, not just the left. Like, um, 
you know, the right looks a little bit better right now just because the left is so bad and they're in charge of everything. Um, but I, I really don't buy this narrative that the right has learned its lesson and gotten better. Like, I think some people like Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson are great. Like a lot of the stuff they're saying is amazing right now. And maybe those people have learned on war, but you see like Sean Hannity, um, you know, all these people who were completely pro Trump and apparently like being pro Trump meant you, you know, Trump changed the Republican party to being anti-war or whatever. Like it's just bullshit. It's not true. Like most of them are not. Um, Most of them will just go along with the flow and um, trying to rationally argue with them about the police or about ending the wars. I mean, it's, it's a battle. So um, I think there are people within the right and in within the left that are reachable who will listen to logic, but there's not a lot of them. So I I'm kind of blackpilled on this nationwide evangelical mission for liberty, basically. Like, I, I mean, I support Dave Smith and his run for 2024. I think that's a good idea. But I don't think that it's going to systemically change anything. I think it might, if it's really successful, <clears throat> it could wake millions of people up. But even if it's as successful or even more successful than Ron Paul's campaign, I still don't think it's going to systemically change anything. Because you look at Ron Paul's campaigns, the debt has only increased since then. The government's just gotten bigger. So it's great if we can keep waking people up, but we've got to start, we got to start having some change, you know, like we got to, we got to see some stuff start rolling back. So, um, I think putting all the focus on the top on the presidency is a mistake. Like, I I don't think that that's how things are going to change. I think the whole point of running someone for president at this point is just getting the message out there and waking people up. I don't think it does anything other than that. Like, you know, Bernie Sanders was able to do that, get a huge message across by running for president. Um, Ron Paul, same thing. Um, you know, so I think that it has value in that sense, but even if someone like Dave Smith were to become president, I think they would not be allowed to change things to the extent we'd want them to, or if they tried to anyway, that they would be removed. There would either be some scandal that was manufactured or, an accident would take place, you know, (laughs) and they wouldn't be president anymore. So I I just don't think that that is an extremely effective way to actually change policy or, um, you know, affect change in, in government. Uh, I think the way to do that is through local action. So build up your County, build up your state, make it more impervious to outside forces. So if you can make sex, uh, second amendment sanctuary counties or States, um, if you can, you know, pass defend the guard legislation in your state, 
stuff like that. So stuff that, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm a naturalist, I believe it's like an evolutionary process. Things go from the ground up, you know, it's not like a, a top down structure that you can fix. So if you can remove the support from the bottom in all these different areas, little by little, it's going to weaken the beast. Um, so I personally, uh, I'm moving back to New Hampshire in a couple months to take part in the free state project because I even, I'm even black pilled to the point where it's like, there aren't enough of us in most states to like create change within our states. Like, you know, we got to, yeah, because not many people think like we do. We think rationally and we actually look at how this all functions and try to come up with a reasonable um, solution. And most people just don't do that. So we've had to, uh, you know, resort to trying to work, you know, with Democrats or Republicans and they just don't care. So, um, I, I like the idea of the free state project, just trying to concentrate libertarians there who already think this way. And, you know, I, I want New Hampshire to be like the libertarian San Francisco or the libertarian Texas. So what I mean by that is if you're a conservative who lives in San Francisco, you're embarrassed to talk about it when you go out in public, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm from uh, I don't really want to talk about it. You know, you don't, you don't want to admit you're some. <laughs> from San Francisco. And while you're there, you want to do nothing but leave. And then if you're a liberal who's from Florida right now, you feel the same way. You're just like, Oh, I hate this place. And I never want to admit to anyone that I'm from here. So I want New Hampshire to become that for, but for libertarians, like libertarians control the culture and control the government and, you know, the conservatives and, liberals just don't want anything to do with it. Like they'll, they'll feel pressured to leave, not through government force, but just through cultural pressure, just like, you know, uh, just like Cal, uh, California and Florida. So I don't know, that's the vision I have. And I feel like that's probably attainable, you know, within a couple decades or something, but I don't, I mean, maybe I'm too pessimistic, but I don't see, a nationwide liberty movement, like taking the hearts and minds of everybody and ending the wars and rolling back the state and ending the fed. I just don't see it happening. So I think it's gotta be a bottom up struggle. I, I definitely agree. It's bottom up. You know, I, I try not to be black peeled on the, the situation. And the reason why is because I, I try to put into perspective uh, how long it actually took us to get to how terrible things are. Like, this wasn't an overnight situation. Uh, right. Of course, there, there were big, uh, big situations that happened that really, you know, gave us a violent shove in this direction. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take just as long, if not longer, to get back. And... Not only is that going to start local, but that's also going to, going to start in the family structure, uh, whatever that may be for whoever. Um, you know, if just raise liberty families um, with whoever you choose to be with, um, you know, uh, just start promoting those ideas. And, and one thing I, I wish the Libertarian Party itself would actually focus on is youth outreach. You know, it's pretty much 
by the by the time somebody is late 20s maybe early 30s they're pretty much decided upon and not that there's not uh value in talking to these people or debating them anything at this point but get them while they're young um Obviously, the opposition to anyone who doesn't want liberty has been doing that. So why don't we? And and th- those two things, I, I think, really do keep me, I, I would say, gray-pilled. Because I, I don't see a whole lot of movement behind these, uh, behind these ideas. But the fact that it can still happen still gives me hope. So that that's pretty much where I sit. Um, that you that does. Are. Oh, there you are. Oh, can you still see me? All right, cool. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I certainly agree with you on the youth aspect. Like, I mean, I kind of gave up my neoconservative background when I was about nineteen or twenty years old, and. That was pretty easy at that age where um, my parents weren't neocons, but they were conservatives. Well, it's weird. They were like George Bush conservatives, but anti-war. So it's just like this really weird thing. They weren't they weren't libertarians like they were not supportive of gay marriage. They were not for legalizing drugs. They were like traditional conservatives but just didn't want to go bomb Iraq. (laughs) So, you know, um, but my dad has basically become a libertarian um, over the last decade. And it's been a really challenging process for him. Like he still kind of struggles with the propaganda aspect of things. Like I have to talk him through it and, it was way easier for me to break out of it because I was younger and it hadn't been drilled into my head as much. So yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I just don't understand why. Um, I mean, conservatives uh, and liberals both do it. Um, I, I should actually say Republicans and Democrats just because, you know, conservative and liberal, though the actual meaning means something different than what they mean now but i mean like like the big fight of uh what's going on with the uh the don't groom kids or don't say gay bill you know Mm -hmm. like this is like one of the the biggest issues in the country right now besides um uh transgender kids in sports at school or just in general and it's all focusing on the kids um I just find it interesting that we aren't, we as the Liberty movement aren't, you know, sliding in uh, between the legs of both of these two people fighting and be like, Hey, Hey kids, have you ever heard about the free market? <laughs> like, It just seems like kind of a wise idea um, to use yeah, some well, resources for that. What I see is life has become so easy in america because there's so much technology and you just you just don't have to do as much as you used to everything is 
prepared for you. We, we still, at least for now, live in a consumer society, not a producing society. So people need to manufacture their own struggles, right? So that's why people do things like going backpacking or traveling or they have hobbies because there's just not enough struggle <laughs> in real life, right? So, so what other people do is they'll join these outrage campaigns, you know, about like having to do with transgender issues or gay rights or whatever it is. And they'll make it into this huge deal that it really isn't like, I mean, the right to be the right to self-ownership as a gay person is not a struggle in the United States by and large. I mean, in some extreme situations, maybe it is, but by and large, not that difficult. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it, it's had to, it was a while, like, you know, 20 years ago for sure. And then even like 10 years ago, it was more challenging, but now it's really not. And the culture uh, is not against gay people. It's just not true. So the, uh, you know, there needs to be a, an internalized struggle that you create. Um, and then the same with the transgender movement, like people thought the transgender thing was kind of weird at first, but then they just got used to it. So now it's being pushed like way beyond its boundaries. Like it's not about just if you are a, an adult who wants to transition now, it's about like forcing it on kids and, you know, like teaching it to, I don't know. I mean, it's just gone like, way overboard being on the swim team. And I mean, it's just ridiculous, but this is all because people need a struggle. They need a cause. So if the libertarians can step in and be like, Hey kids, I know you're, you know, arguing about transgender rights or about being allowed <laughs> to pray in school or whatever your, you know, whatever your fake outrage, you know, a, you know, your your feeling of oppression is let's tell you about the war in Yemen or the, uh, the way the Palestinians are being treated by the Israelis under our support. This is like a legit, you know, barbaric heinous action that our country is actually committing. So <laughs> I don't know to me, like that's, if you have outrage fuel, if you need, to burn your energy being upset about something uh like don't waste it on these stupid cultural battles and the right does it too like i you know with yep. uh like we need to bring prayer back into schools well you could still pray in school like you know you don't need i don't know like it's, it's the same crap like it's you know oh christians are persecuted in the united states it's like no gay people are not persecuted in the united states christians are also not persecuted in the it's just ridiculous like unless you're you know, in jail because of a victimless crime, you're not being persecuted in the United States. Like it, it's, it just yeah. doesn't happen on a wide scale aside from, you know, things like the war on drugs. Um, that There's another one right there. Like if you, if yeah. you have outrage about innocent people being persecuted in the United States, then go after the criminal justice system. Don't worry about whatever stupid cultural thing you got. So like, there's plenty of opportunity for libertarians to step in and say, yo, hey, if you if you really need a cause, we've got one and we've got several venues. We've got domestic issues and, uh, you know, uh, 
foreign issues that you can latch on to and there's plenty of violence and hatred and evil that you can fight against and you know feel validated for so yeah. i don't know well and the the, the culture stuff it, it only concerns me because both sides on the extreme let in some really weird um people that push some really nasty ideas too so i mean it, it i don't care people can live however they want i'll call them whatever they want i don't really care i'm more focused on myself and my family and friends anyways so but there i can see the the rights argument regarding um predators being able to yeah come in and fly in under that uh, radar and if you criticize them then that's that same thing happens in on the right though with very um obviously not quite as much but um violent people who push some really anti uh like race stuff i i've definitely come across it throughout my years um it's mm -hmm. uncommon but it's not uh well, and I would say it's uncommon on both sides. However, these culture wars, when you're pushing them so hard like this, it really does open up the floodgates for a lot of these people to sneak in under the radar. And that's the only reason I usually ever pay attention to the culture war stuff, because this can go very bad very quickly. And uh, it, it doesn't matter what side, honestly. Um, so, yeah, we yeah. I, go ahead. Well, you know, if I were a transgender man right now, I would be so angry because, you know, I would be being used as a political pawn, right? Like the, I mean, I think your average transgender person probably, first of all, doesn't want any attention drawn to it. I mean, I worked with a transgender person and he acted like nobody in the company knew that he was transgender where actually everybody did know, but we just never said anything to him about it because he wanted to be a man. So it was like, okay. And he had a beard and he had a deep voice and he had gone through surgeries or whatever. You wouldn't have been able to tell. And it's like, all right, whatever. I don't care. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's your thing. And I think, most like genuinely average people who end up doing that that's probably how they are they probably don't want to bring attention to it and it's probably not the most pleasant experience in the world because like this guy he was working a, a tough outdoor job and he was transitioning throughout the i wasn't there uh he, he'd been working there a lot longer than i had but when he first came, like he was still looked like a woman and he went through that transition while he was working that job with a bunch of dudes. And I mean, <laughs> like opening himself up to a ton of ridicule and everything. So it's like, all right. Yeah. You know, that if, if there's a person who's going through something like that, they probably don't want any attention drawn to it. It's probably not something they want celebrated. They probably want to move on from the transition and just forget it ever happened and be like, okay, I'm moving on with my life and stop like obsessing over me. But 
that's not what's being done right now. Like it's the opposite. Like it's being obsessed over and it's being celebrated and being pushed on people. I mean, why would you, I mean, it's, it's a deformity to, you know, be transgender. Like, I mean, and yeah. I mean, if you, if you, even if, especially if you frame it in, you know, the kind of liberal perspective that it was, um, you know, you, you actually are the other sex and it was a mistake or whatever. Like, why would you wish that on someone or why would you want that for somebody? It's like celebrating, it's like celebrating blindness or something. It's just like, what? Like, why? Like that sucks. I feel sorry for people who are in this situation. So if I were, if I were in that situation, I'd be so mad right now because I feel like, um, you know, there, there are a lot of normal people who have gone through a sex change and you probably wouldn't know it at all, but these fringe weirdos who are like going on swim teams and who are, you know, fourth, third grade teachers or whatever, who want to tell their class about what they've done. I mean, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, you're so fucking insane. So I don't know. Like, I think that there are a lot of normal people who are being or who are, who are like getting caught up in this and getting ruined by it. And that's what the goal always is with like these fringe, these fringe causes. That's what they do. They, they, you know, completely delegitimize normal people. So it just sucks all around. And that you're right. Like a lot of these weird people are usually doing it for some strange fucking reasons. So yeah, it's just, it, it sucks. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest reason to ever pay attention to these because I, I personally do believe that, uh, the fact that, I mean, our country has never not been in a war for as long as I've lived or helped funded a war or help uh, do nation building, um, you know, gone in and assassinated a, a, a country's leader just because they wouldn't uh, buy into the uh, petrol dollar. You know, like these are major issues to me. Um, mm-hmm. This cultural stuff. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, but it, it also gets old too. Um, so I, I agree that we, we definitely should be pushing uh a lot of these bigger issues uh, that that's why I loved um, when Dave Smith went on Rogan and just talked about Yemen the whole time. Yeah. And just, it was great, honestly. So, I mean, I don't, I don't even know exactly what to do other than just keep having conversations like this, keep just pushing it out there, keep repeating the, keep repeating what's right. And what's right is that we shouldn't be funding uh, nations that are uh, murdering people. Uh, we, we, we shouldn't be uh, promoting pedophiles. We shouldn't be promoting racists. We shouldn't be promoting any of these people because all of these things are violations of people's sovereignty. And I don't know. I, Honestly, I'm I'm still just white pilled in in this. I I think we we're picking up a lot of steam, and I I see a great future for the liberty movement. 
Um, honestly, thanks to people like you and uh, everyone else w- within the uh, Liberty podcast space, honestly. So. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I don't know. Um, I think the 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 optimism that you can get out of this is that things are so stupid that people realize that they're stupid you know like i mean if they're just a little stupid people don't see the stupidity sometimes but when it's just full-on blatant clown world it's kind of hard to ignore so some people who wouldn't have dug deep before are now forced to so there's there's something to be said about that and maybe that is actually going to be what ends up saving us you know people uh, just being pushed to the brink and realizing, wow, we need change. She said so, before. I don't know. So the the only thing that scares me about it is just the state um, pushing a lot of these ideas as well. That's what freaks me out. Um, because I, I think a lot of these uh, these movements would definitely either calm down and kind of just disappear or they they probably just would have fizzled out and just gone away completely. But then you have the almighty power of the media, uh, the U.S. government, uh, well, you can name any government, uh, pushing these ideas as well, um, which really makes me wonder uh, if all of these things are not just a marketing campaign, um, kind of like uh, Edward Bernays, um, at the turn of the 20th century, he, during the suffragette movement, he got people, women to smoke cigarettes, um, at these protests and he called them torches of freedom. And like, that's just always stuck with me. And so I've always wondered if the, the entire woke movement, um, was just nothing but a marketing campaign, which kind of makes sense during the month of June and everyone, all, all the corporate logos go rainbow. You know, it kind of just seems like everyone's being used to uh, profit and then pit each other against each other because it makes money. So that's what freaks me out about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they that's one venue they use, but they don't always necessarily use the woke venue. So, like, I, I mean, 20 years ago, it was like the it was like this ultra Christian conservative movement that they hijacked to, you know, further war and destruction and corporatism and all this like centralization of power. And they used fear of Satanism and <laughs> Islamic extremism and all this crap, fear of Harry Potter or whatever. Like it was retarded, the amount of uh propaganda going on that you know like we need so um that was what they used 20 years ago and right now it's this more woke bullshit crap so i just think that the government doesn't give a shit about your religion or about your cultural preferences or your sexual preference or whatever they'll hijack all of it to further their goals that's all they care about so you know, like, look at Raytheon. They they did well under the Bush years, not quite as well as Halliburton, but they were, you know, they were making bank under Bush and Cheney. 
And then they fully jumped on board with all this woke shit about like, oh, we have non-binary uh, employees and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then the banks, same thing. Like the banks went along with it. Like they'll, they'll, they'll all do whatever they have to do to make money and gain power. And they have no allegiance to anything but themselves. So they'll use your culture your religion, your family, and then they'll just shit on it afterward. So that's all they do. I agree. Uh, I I think to the point. So I I actually had this thought the other day. I was just, I was actually on lunch after or during work. And I was just thinking about the, the, the whole social impact of just masking that we had to go through. And to me, just because of like how nefarious uh, some of these key players are, it just seemed kind of like they did it to flex on everyone. Just kind of show ex- exactly what they're capable of. Um, now, obviously not everyone. You, I, I don't believe people can be absolute. Um, but it, it did seem like it was... seemed like they knew it was coming. And they knew that all of this was bullshit and they did it anyways. Um, could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. So um, it just kind of seemed like, be, because when it when it came to the masks, it, it didn't matter. Little kids, the elderly, um, white, black, brown, man, woman, somewhere in between, or not even a part of that. Like it just, it didn't matter. It, it was everybody. And I, I, I think that's really important for people to understand is that no, no matter how nice you are, the state will still fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like a group of people who meet in a room and say, we're no. going to do this. It's just <clears throat> the you have this. You have this system where you have media that makes money off of ratings and then you have government that can seize more power and gain more control. And then you have businesses that can make a ton of money off of crises, right? So Halliburton, uh, Raytheon, the banks, whatever, like when there's a crisis. So when there's a war, when you need a bailout, um, and then Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson being the latest ones, you know, when you need a ton of vaccines or like all these corporations, that were allowed to stay open and take advantage of all the small businesses that went under, like they all have an incentive to go along with what's happening. So you don't need like a coordinated effort. It's just the natural way that these entities are thinking. So that's just going to always happen (laughs) whenever there's something like this. So you know, some people think it's like the Illuminati sitting in a room trying to figure out how to do it. I don't think they really need that. I think it's just intuition. And that's, you know, like, it sucks that but that's, that's how it works. Well, I mean, it's because all of the all, all of these terrible people who are doing all these shady things are all conglomerated in, in the same building. That's why it seems like everyone's colluding with each other. And of course, collusion happens. Like that's, it it does happen. Yep. But it, it's, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I do have some questions about the World Economic Forum. I'd really like to know what they're up to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, in general, it, it's not just like this smoky-filled back room and, you know, uh, Satanistic rituals and stuff. Well, okay, I can't say can't. Once again, can't be absolute. I'm sure yeah. there's some of that in Washington, too, but yeah, that, that's not the norm. Um, right. I mean, there are things like Epstein's, you know, rape rings and shit like that. So that type of stuff yeah. does exist. Like, it's not like it's not a thing. I just don't think everybody has to be bribed or coerced into doing it. I think that it's just the natural way everybody reacts. Um but yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because it does <laughs> it, and it's kind of terrifying. So so uh, that, that's one thing I actually did want to ask you about is why don't you think there's been more blowback for Epstein or Maxwell or anything? I don't think anyone really knows what's going on. I mean, if you asked, so the it seems like the group that the mainstream group that's most in tune with the Epstein stuff is probably the MAGA people, right? Like, they're the ones... I mean, like, mainstream, not niche groups. Like, there are people like me and Ryan and Addy Ads and Adam Fitzgerald and those type of people who actually know about it, but um, then there's, like, I'd say the Trump people are the ones who would probably be like, Epstein, 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 Epstein. If you ask them, who is Epstein... Like what, what, who was Epstein? What did he do? They would, they wouldn't know about any of the, the deep state connections. Cause when they say deep state, I don't even know what they're picturing. They're picturing, you know, like blood drinking, Satan worshiping <laughs> lizard people or whatever. It's like the deep state is the mega group, you know, Les yeah. Wexner, um, you know, this, the, you know, and then it's also um, the other part of the deep state is the intelligence agencies that you guys sometimes hate, but then you instantly love them once they're telling you about the Uyghurs in China, or once they're telling you that we need to air a strike Soleimani to stop a war from happening, then the intelligence agencies are your best friends. So like the, the people who have like a tiny sliver of information on this, they're just fucking retarded. They don't have any, they don't have any depth of understanding of what's going on. So they like, they think Maxwell and Epstein were just running a rape ring for their own jollies or something. It's like, no, that wasn't the point of it. The point of it was blackmailing politicians into, um, you know, in, into uh, supporting Zionist agendas and you try telling that to Trump supporters that Israel is behind this, <laughs> you know, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to be like, no, that's, you know, that's God's chosen country and we stand with them, whatever. So I think that's why it doesn't have much blowback because people don't know anything about it. And then the ones who do, they don't even know enough to be dangerous. They just have like such a tiny sliver of, you know, um, just, just surface uh, level awareness and uh, if they started digging into it they'd hate it because they'd find out oh wow all the people I like are wrapped up in this you know like Donald Trump um, and so I don't know like that's why I think 
there hasn't been huge kickback because nobody, even libertarians, like most libertarians don't even know about that and about how deep it goes. And, you know, they don't realize Ehud Barak, the former prime minister of Israel, you know, that he's involved or that Bill Richardson, former governor of New Mexico, Glenn Dubin, um, you know, I mean, the names just go on and on and on. I've, I don't have my Epstein map behind me, but, um, you know, it, it's just, it's deep and wide and disgusting and it's run by, it was run by Israeli spies <laughs> and that's the yeah. uncomfortable truth that no one wants to admit, you know, don't, don't criticize them. Cause then, you know, they'll, they'll drop the hammer on you apparently. So that's, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, let's I actually I got one of these Epstein maps. Oh, you did. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had to get one of those. Definitely uh, need to pick one up. Anyone watching this, uh, thanks Ryan for that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it it really is just a a rabbit hole that just keeps going, and they're they're all interconnected in such a way that how how could you ever untangle that unless you spend your entire time researching this. Um, you, you would need uh, like a biblical scholar level of uh, energy and time to be able to just dig into all the connections, what they've done for each other, and who's paying who, who's sleeping with who, uh, who betrayed who. It's, I, I agree. But the, the one thing that just shocks me is that Nobody even, like, Epstein was a big meme for a minute. And mm-hmm. then, and then what? It's gone? Like, it's it's just insane to me. Um, and these are some well, of the biggest stories in the world. I think he was just a meme because of his attachments to Clinton. Like, that's why the Trump supporters are all about it. Because they know, they've seen the picture of Clinton in the dress or whatever, and you know, that he went to Epstein's Island however many times. And that's the connection. It's just like the only reason there was any mainstream coverage was because there was originally a mainstream Trump connection that fell through. Um, You know, (laughs) so then they stopped talking about it after that. But um, yeah, I mean, and the thing is like Ryan has devoted his life to like he he's done what you're talking about like i mean realistically my knowledge on this is surface level like i i just yeah. know a lot of the names and some of the main connections and i've had maria farmer on my show and i've talked to ryan a lot but like compared to me most people don't know shit like i would seem like an expert on it compared to like most people who um you know just have a surface level understanding of it so yeah, I mean, it, it, there's just like no one. Yeah, you know, it, it's so like while Ghislaine Maxwell's been on trial and when Epstein, well, let's see, not when Epstein got arrested. No, yeah, around that time, Ryan Dawson got banned off of like everything around the time Epstein got arrested, I guess, maybe a little bit later, but. While this whole Ghislaine, or sorry, when 
I'm getting my years mixed up. It's all blending together. Ryan had no Ryan was still had platforms when Epstein got arrested. And when he died, it was when Ghislaine Maxwell got arrested around that time. He lost his Twitter and then he lost his YouTube soon after that. And then he hasn't had anything, you know, throughout this whole coverage of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and everything. And so there's been no one <laughs> who's like got a huge platform who can explain what's going on. Like imagine if Ryan Dawson had, 200,000 followers on Twitter <laughs> and he had however many thousand subscribers he'd have by now on YouTube and he could be explaining this shit you know day by day as it's going but no one knows where to find him and I don't have that big an audience you know so people can come watch him <clears throat> on my show but it's just not the same so like there's just no there's no widespread coverage of this so no one no one knows anything about it yeah, and I, I think that's pretty much the idea, right? Is to, like, even if some people know about it, it as long as you keep it out of the, the, the minds and mouths of the people who could actually do something, I mean, of course, you, you, you don't even see, uh, you know, milk toast people like Tim Pool even push some of these ideas either. Um, no. And I, I guess I kind of get it. They've built up their entire business around that. And uh, once you start pushing some of these ideas, then those are also the people who can pull the plug on your entire, uh, your entire compound and everything you've built. So I guess I kind of get it, but I don't know. Well, think about to... this. Like um, Joe Rogan, think of like what in reality what like a squishy liberal he really is like he's just kind of a <laughs> centrist liberal in yeah. real life that's what he is he's not a conservative yeah. he's certainly not a libertarian he's just kind of like a a squishy liberal who like likes to talk to people but look at what they did to him anyways like look at the amount of pressure they put on him just because he was talking to people so yeah like i mean they'll will destroy someone like Ryan. Uh, but if you're big like Joe Rogan or Tim Pool, like yeah, they'll put the they'll put the screws to you. And even if you just deviate a tiny bit or ask questions you're not supposed to. So if you have answers to these questions like Ryan does, like, ooh, man, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I gonna wrap up here, but one thing I did want to ask you, um, and uh got that video to work. So uh, we'll play that on our way out. But one thing I wanted your perspective on was why is liberty important? Well, I think truth is important. Like, I, I want to know what's true. And the only way to find out what's true is by being uncomfortable. Uh, because if you're not willing to push into areas of discomfort, then you're never going to find out if anything you've previously thought was wrong. Um, and I, I find that comfort is just the biggest threat to liberty. Like people who don't break out of their bubbles, they don't do it because they're scared that they're going to have to think, right? They're scared that they're going to have to work to find something true. It's easy to just have everything compartmentalized in a neat little box and never have to think about it. But any breakthrough 
that humanity has had throughout history has been through discomfort, right? Like it was tough to build the railroads from sea to sea. It was tough to get to the top of Mount Everest. It was tough to get to the North and South pole. It was tough to learn how to fly. Like all these things took a lot of struggle and effort, but they were worth doing because it just, it, it, you know, it, 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 I guess it like, it comes down to like what you care about. Like some people, this is why it's tough now. Cause some people just really don't care. Like some people would rather not have Liberty and not know what is true. And the, the question is like, do you just let people do that? Like, I guess you do. Like if people don't want to be set free, then you can't set them free. You know, it's something they have to want. If they want to just believe whatever lie they've been told their whole lives, what do you do? <laughs> like, you, you can't change their minds about that. Like, if that's what they want, okay. And, and that's what I mean by, like, that. that's why I've decided to uh, get involved with the Free State Project, just because I think libertarians do want to know what's true, and they do want to know what's real, and they want to they want to push, you know, and a lot of NPCs, they just don't. It's easier to put a Ukraine flag in your bio and wear a mask every day and, you know, just go on with your life. And you can only, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, you know, like if people don't want to be set free, then they won't be set free. So I don't know. It's important to me. And I think it's important to some people. <laughs> so, um, you know, those are the people I care about at this point. Like, if you if you don't want to be set free, if you want to enslave yourself, I've I've run out of patience or empathy for you. Like, I just don't care anymore. I care about people like me who don't want this who didn't ask for it, who are being persecuted, especially people who are being murdered overseas who didn't ask for this, but also for people who are stuck in a cage here because they smoked a plant. They didn't ask for that. Um, I didn't ask to get taxed to support any of this shit. So everyone who doesn't want to be part of this, you're the ones I sympathize with. Everyone who wants freedom, everyone who wants liberty, you're the ones I care about. If you're in the group that doesn't want it, fine. I can't make you want it, but leave me out of your project because I don't want anything <laughs> to do with it. <laughs> yeah, that that's a pretty good advertisement for uh, New Hampshire right there, I would say. So some great things going on over there. Um, you know, I, I had talked to Justin O'Donnell about the idea of how do we replicate what's going on there somewhere else? And I mean, I after uh having that conversation and thinking about it i think it is happening you know there's like the uh the earthship community um you know there's some more extreme versions of this um happening throughout the country uh, i can't remember the name of the town it's in california it's an unincorporated town everyone just lives in trailers there's there's no law out there out there so it's just an anarchist society so mm -hmm. I mean, it. not everything's going to be like the Free State Project, and I don't think it has to be, honestly. Um, 
but I, I would like people to definitely look and see what's going on in New Hampshire because I think it's really important and I think it's groundbreaking in many ways. And honestly, uh, we can replicate that other places. So if you don't want to move over there, then start working on how to get it done in your area. So uh, let's see, before we take off, let's see, I was going to play this uh, collection of CNN because fuck these guys. And I thought this was hilarious. Research by Gallup says American trust in the mass media is at its lowest point since 2016 and near a record low overall. Jeff Zucker has announced his immediate resignation as the president of CNN. This comes amid an investigation into what Jeff Zucker calls a consensual relationship. What happened and where CNN goes from here? You were caught <laughs> masturbating on camera. You since then have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right. Sad to say. The biggest media story this weekend, it's the firing of Chris Cuomo from this network, CNN. Late Wednesday, a lawyer contacted CNN with a sexual misconduct complaint about Cuomo. Joining me now, the man who accused Don Lemon of sexual assault. His accuser claims Lemon started rubbing himself. But the even bigger point, I think, is about what the press is. Is it produced by reporters or by repeaters? Repeaters are the talk radio shouters. They're on TV and radio telling the same story every day. President Trump. President Trump. President Trump. 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 Trump, 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 so much of what they are repeating is from reporters, from the people paid to figure out what is true. For a widely held conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a Chinese laboratory. Dr. Fauci, thank you uh, for keeping it straight. Thank you for fighting the good fight. We know the science. We know that masks work. What we have now is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is really now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is now a pandemic of Something interesting. So, <laughs> you know, really glad to see that those guys aren't going to be in airports anymore. Um, it's not a big win, but it's something and uh, makes me happy. So, Definitely. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, it's a monumental day in the uh, uh, the sphere of uh, actually maybe breaking some of that propaganda. Maybe not much, but some. And uh, so it was it was definitely an honor to have you on. Uh, give a shout out. Let everyone know what you've got going on, where they can find you and whatnot. Sure. Well, I have Ron Paul coming on my show next week. Um, my show is the naturalist capitalist. You can follow me on YouTube, Odyssey, Spotify, Apple podcasts. I guess Jacob's got my uh, link tree in the description. So just go check that out. Follow me all those places. Um, and yeah, I will be at the Utah libertarian party convention next weekend. And I hope to be going to Reno to, help with the reno reset because i've had enough of these idiots that just want a social club and don't want to change anything um so if you're in utah make sure you're going to be there next weekend and we'll see what we can do 
Right on, man. Thanks, thanks again. And uh, yeah, I, I will see you next weekend. All right, man. Drive Sounds safe. good. Drive safe out there.